My name is Brian Kinsey, and I'm the pastor of First Pentecostal Church in Pensacola. I'm delighted that you're listening to this message, and I hope it blesses your life. If you'd like to submit a prayer request, or if you're interested in a personal Bible study, you can call us at 850-477-1100, or send us an email at firstpent at firstpent.org. We hope you enjoy this message. That's it. Let's praise the Lord together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We praise you today, Jesus. Thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for this day, Jesus. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Thank you, Lord. We praise you today. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's it, church. Let's praise the Lord together. Bless his name right now. Praise God. How wonderful it is to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. Expecting that God is going to do great things. Why? He's a great God. There's none like him in all the earth. We've come to bless, to worship him, to lift him up. But I believe the Lord has a word for us this morning. And I believe that he wants to speak to us today. If you have your Bibles with you, if you can turn your attention to Psalm chapter 71, and we're going to begin at verse number 9. Now, I know this is the 9 a.m. service, so this is the advanced saints at 9 a.m., so I turn all of your attention to appropriately verse number 9. All right? Are you ready? The psalmist said, Verse 9, Psalm 71, cast me not off in the time. (laughs) I'm just reading the Bible, all right? Cast me not off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. For mine enemies speak against me and they that lay wait for my soul, take counsel together, saying, God hath forsaken him, persecute and take him, for there is none to deliver him. And one more verse while you're standing, verse 18. Now also when I am, I know, just want to make sure we are reading the same scripture. Now also when I am old, and I'm at the 9 a.m., no, um, now when I am old and gray-headed, oh God, forsake me not. And here's the key this morning, church, until I've got purpose. I've got value to add to this generation. (laughs) I might be gray-headed. Now, I don't know what that's about, but I do have somewhat, my daughters tell me when my beard grows out a little bit that there's a lot of white hairs in there. God, don't forsake me until I have showed thy strength, thy strength, thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. 
this generation needs to hear from this generation about the strength of your God, the power that he has, his salvation that can come. What a God we serve. Church, I want to preach this morning. We still have something to give. We've got something to give to this generation. If you believe that, would you give the Lord some praise and thanksgiving right now? He's worthy to be God, God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Cast me not off in the time of old age. Now, I did something very foolish a few weeks ago, and I am telling everyone today, so I guess that might be the next foolish thing that I am doing, but I took Noah, my son, 11 years old, and uh, Dylan Parkey, to the batting cages, and as they began to swing and attempt to hit the ball coming at them, I was standing behind the cage in the appropriate spot, but I'm behind Noah, and I'm trying to tell Noah, Noah, get off the plate. Get off. You're going to get smacked in the head. Move to the, get off the plate. You're going to get hit in the head with a ball. I know you got a helmet on, but it's not going to help you too much. Those balls are coming pretty quick. But I'm trying to coach him. I'm saying, keep your eye on the ball. Get your bat in the right place. And, I, and I'm giving him all that fatherly advice that I can give because I've got so much wisdom and experience. And I said, you know, this is what you do, Noah. So you Noah know, didn't do very well. I mean, he's 11 years old, and, and but... Dad decides, I'm going to go ahead, give me one of those tokens here, and I'm going to go in that batting cage. Give me that helmet you're wearing, son. Put the helmet on and went into the batting cage, and I had a choice. I made a wrong, well, the first wrong choice was deciding to go into the batting cage. The next wrong choice, I had a, I had a chance to kind of redeem myself, but it said, do you want a baseball or do you want a softball? I know what I'm doing here. And hit a baseball. I don't need to hit a softball. I'm going to knock that thing out of this cage. Give me the baseball. So as I'm standing there trying to show Noah how it's done, strike. Whew, man, that was rough. Maybe I wasn't paying attention. Let me get myself right. I'm a little rusty. Strike. Man. And before I knew it, it was strike, strike, strike. And then it was when I would hit the ball, the ball came off the bat in, in, a, in a very weird way I wasn't used to. I mean, it went that way, it went that way, and went that way, but really didn't go this way, the way I would like it to go. You see, I was full of wisdom trying to show them how it's done, but you know what? When my brain said, you know, you could still do it, you've got the ability to look at that ball and hit that ball out of the cage, go ahead and do it, but the body said... I don't think so. I don't think you have that ability. Now, I will have to say I was able to get on my daughter's skateboard the other day. Uh-uh. I could still ride a skateboard. I was showing her how it's done, how you get on there and how you turn out. I'm not as good. I'm not going to try some of those tricks I used to do, but I can get on a skateboard. I can catch a football. 
could also throw a football, and I could probably throw it to most of you in here, maybe not the back row, but I can hit most of anybody in here with a football. What I'm trying to say this morning is, is that, you know, sometimes we reach a point where we think we can do some things, but we find out very soon that perhaps we have gone beyond our natural ability. In other words, my strength, my talent can only carry me so far. How many of you could testify that you used to be able to lift some very heavy things and not even think about it, but now that you're in the 9 a.m. service, <laughs> uh, you, you need some help now. I'll tell you, I need some help now. I don't want to have to do it all by myself anymore. I used to be very stubborn in that respect. I can lift it. I can do it. I don't need anybody's help, but now it's, hey, I need help. I don't want to hurt myself more than I am already hurt. And church, we still have something to give this morning. I believe we have something to show this generation. You know, as a young man who was raised in church, I've been to many prayer meetings. I've been to many special services and even church service. I've been to church all my life. I was raised in church. When I went to prayer meetings, I prayed. But as a young man, I also listened. Because when my prayers ended, you know, I'm, I'm good as a young man. I was good for a, a short period of time. But after that, you know, your, your attention span is not where it needs to be. And so I would listen to how everyone else prayed. I listened to my pastor. I listened to my father. I listened to the elders in the church cry out to God in prayer. I listened to them as they reached out to God, and, and I knew circumstances that they were going through. I didn't know all the details, but I just knew sister so-and-so, she needed God's help. She needed God to touch her children. She needed God for a major miracle in her life, and I would listen to that passion and that, and that dedication in seeking God, not a little bit, but with all of our heart. And church, listen, this is the 9 a.m. service. You know what it's like to press on. You know what it's like to seek out after God until you find him and press through all the obstacles to have a move of God. We don't ever need to lose that in this hour. Don't lose that passion. Don't lose that, that, that desire to seek God and that ability to press through. This generation needs to see men and women who still know how to press through in the Holy Ghost. You know, everyone had their unique way of crying out. And, and one thing that they knew how to do, no matter uh, how they did it, they knew how to get into the presence of the Lord. When I was in my late teens and after school and after work, I would go to church and spend time in prayer and study. And there were many times that when I pulled into that parking lot, 8, 9 o'clock in the evening to do my time of prayer and study because of all that I had to do during that day, that when I got into that parking lot, there was usually a car there already before me. And it would be there after me at times. And that was my pastor. And when I went into that sanctuary, when I walked in, his office was immediately to the left. His doors closed, and so I would go into the sanctuary, and I'd do my praying and my reading and studying that I would do, but oh, if you could only hear the prayers that came out of that office, if you would only hear him crying out to God with all 
of his heart. I heard him praying for people in the church. I heard him praying, Lord, don't let them be lost. Lord, wake them up from their lost condition. Lord, would you heal their marriage? Lord, would you deliver them from bitterness and from resentment? Lord, would you help them to forgive, oh God? Lord, would you bless them for their faithfulness, Jesus? Would you use them in the mighty way? And that man knew how to pray and seek God and pray not only for himself, because I didn't hear much about himself, but I heard a lot about everybody else. And I heard a lot about how he wanted God to do great things for them. I still hear those prayers today, and I believe those prayers have not ended, but I believe those prayers continue, and I believe those prayers are still going forth. The prayers that D.L. Welch prayed, those prayers that Paul Welch prayed, those prayers that pastors praying, those prayers that have gone forth by the elders of this church, those prayers are still working before the throne of God. Those prayers are still active on behalf of his people. Those prayers have not ceased. So when you come into this sanctuary, just know that there have been tears that have been laid down in this sanctuary. There have been tears that have been laid down in the altar of this place. There have been tears that have been shed in a prayer room. Tears that have been poured out in a foyer. Tears that have been poured out in a classroom over children. In this place, there have been many prayers, but there's still the same God. It's still the same God who knows what we need. And I say today, we've got something to give, and that something needs to be passed on to this generation. If you believe that, would you praise the Lord? You've got something still to give. You're not done yet. Don't ever lose that passion for prayer. You know that prayer makes a difference in this world. James tells us in 5 and 16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth. It availeth much. James said it was Elias, the man subject to like passions like we. He prayed and listened. He didn't pray any kind of way, but he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. There's nothing beyond the reach of prayer. This generation needs to hear that. They need to see that and witness that in us. There are times when we do get confused. I walk into my kitchen many times and I get confused. I have four children and it gets a lot to manage that, okay? And there's a lot going on, but you know, my body naturally gravitates toward the fridge. So while I'm looking in the fridge, I usually come to the conclusion that you're not hungry yet. You got to wait a little bit. It's something else you came in here for. I'm a little confused. The psalmist said it this way, and I understand that Psalm 71 has... Uh, messianic implications and you could see the prophecies that, that, that would come to pass and you could look at that but understand too I believe that the psalmist was writing this psalm perhaps not with the understanding of what was to come but what he's presently dealing with and the psalmist said he said cast me not off in the time of old age forsake me not 
and uh, in, in when my strength begins to fail, it's, it's very interesting to me that the psalmist is saying, cast me not off in the time of old age. You know, this isn't something God would do. This is something the world would do. This is something where the world says, well, your, your life is, you're, you're done. Just go ahead and, and go off into the sunset, and, and you're not of any value anymore. But the psalmist has this understanding of, don't cast me off in the time of my old age. That, that's something that we need to recognize. If you ever have that thought, recognize this. The psalmist said, don't cast me off, but recognize uh, that you have been carried to this point. And if God has carried you to this point, there's no reason to believe that he's going to cast you off now. It doesn't even make sense. Well, God, you've carried me. Don't cast me off. If you know anything about your God, he's not going to cast you off in the time of old age. Deuteronomy 33 and 27, the eternal God is thy refuge and underneath are what? The everlasting arms. He's going to carry you. He's going to continue to carry you. Church, he's going to continue to carry us. He's going to continue to bring us through. He will not fail to carry us. Psalmist said, forsake me not when my strength faileth. Don't cast me off. Don't forsake me when my strength begins to fail. When did our strength ever really mean anything anyway? Oh, God, I'm, I'm, I'm old, God, and my strength is failing, God. Uh, 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 don't, don't leave me now, God, now that I don't have my own strength. Uh, don't forsake me when I'm not able to do for myself. You know, if you look at it, it's only because of God that we are where we are. It's not our own strength. It's not by our own might. Your strength may be failing this morning, listen, in your body, but his strength is everlasting. His strength will still come through. You just need to recognize that his strength is all that matters. <laughs> It's almost like, well, how did he get so, so off track? How, how did he even come to even question these things when he knows Isaiah 40 and 28? Hast thou not known or hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. He can carry you. He can strengthen you. He can help you. He can give power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increaseth strength. You may have come into this service with just a little bit of strength, but the promise is already there. You may not have any strength left to give, but listen, thanks be to God, it's not up to our own strength. He's the one that when we have no might, he gives us strength. So I pray strength upon you this morning. I pray strength upon you right now. I pray his strength come upon this church in a mighty way in the name of the Lord Jesus. Everything we're facing, I pray the strength of God. Every battle that's come against the church, I pray the strength of God. Every battle that's come against your home, I pray the strength of God. Every war that's been waged in your own mind, I pray the strength of God in Jesus name.
Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands to the Lord, shall we? Even the youth shall faint and be weary. Oh, yeah. You also need to remember that when you were young, you also got weary. You also lost strength. You also were in need of God and his strength. The Bible says even the young men shall utterly fall. Don't forget, even when you were young, you still needed God. You needed God then. You need God now. Nothing's changed. Those that come at 11 o'clock, they need God. They need his strength. They need him to carry them. What I begin to wonder is how did the psalmist allow these thoughts to even have a place in his heart and in his mind? And you find that answer very quickly in verse 10 and 11. For he said, mine enemies speak against me, and they that lay wait for my soul, they take counsel together, saying, God hath forsaken him. Persecute and take him, for there is none to deliver him. That is the root of the problem for the psalmist. That's why he's so concerned. That's why he's praying, don't cast me off. Don't forsake me when my strength faileth. Why? Because he's hearing the voice of the enemy. Listen to what the enemy said. Three things. He said, God hath forsaken him, persecute and take him, and there is none to deliver. Very important. The enemy is basically laying out the reasons why the psalmist should be afraid. And that first reason that the psalmist sees is that God hath forsaken him. We know that God has not forsaken his people. God hasn't forsaken us. He hasn't broken his promise. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You've got to turn that thing around and say, you know what? I, I may be feeling like God has forsaken me, but the word says that he will never leave me nor forsake me. The enemy said that, that they would persecute and take them. In other words, or take him, that he would be defenseless. You and I, we're not defenseless. We're not without a God who can be our help and can rescue us. Even in Psalm 3, the psalmist said, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul. This is what the enemy says. There is no help for him in God. Wait a minute. God's not forsaken me. And you know what? Even if they come and they persecute me and try to take me, I'm not without defense. Why? <laughs> Psalm 3 and 3, but thou, O Lord. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. What the enemy sees is that I have no defense. No, no, no. What they don't understand, O Lord, you art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. Oh, yeah, I'm not forsaken. Oh, yeah, I'm not defenseless. I've got a God who is my shield. I've got a God who is the lifter of my head. I've got a God who's shown me time and time again 
and that he's always provided protection for me. God, he will deliver. He hasn't left us defenseless. He has given us exactly what we need. That's why when they said in Psalm 115, wherefore should the heathen say where now is their God? The enemy said he's defenseless. In another psalm, it says, the heathen saying, where now is his God? Where is his God? This is our time to attack. But listen, what the enemy doesn't understand is that we know that even when we can't see him, oh, yeah, the enemy says, you're open game. There's nothing between me and you. I'm coming for you right now. I'm going to persecute you. I'm going to take you. You are defenseless. God has left you. And when the enemy doesn't see anything, we know. We understand. We know that our God is in the heavens and he hath done whatsoever he hath please the heathen may not know where God is but church do you know where he's at this morning do you know where he is he's still on the throne he's still in control and he still is our shield I just want to encourage you you've got something to give you've got something to share you've got experience in God that this young generation needs to hear about how has God rescued you how has God delivered you? How has God come through? How did God rescue you when you felt like you were all alone? And the things that you battled in your life, at so many points in your life, you feel like you reached that edge where just one more step, you're done. You're finished with this race. You're done dealing with the struggle. You're done dealing with the problems. You're done dealing with people. And you say to yourself, that's the last straw. But how did my God come through? That's what the generation today needs to hear. How has your God come through? And I'm so thankful. Even when the psalmist seems to be, in my, in my understanding, somewhat confused and, and wondering whether or not God was going to remain faithful to his word or not, he begins his psalm in the right mindset by saying, Oh, Lord, in thee do I put my trust. I could say a whole lot about that, but I'm in thee do I put my trust. I can't put my trust in anything other than the Lord. He says, I put my trust in you, God. Don't ever let me put, be put to confusion. Don't ever let me be ashamed. Don't ever let me be embarrassed by placing my faith in you. And in essence, he was saying, I don't want to be shamed because I've trusted in you and you failed. But Lord, I'm going to put my trust in you because you have never failed me. Oh, would you lift your hands right now all over this place? I just feel the presence of God in this house so strong right now. You, you, you're not without purpose. You may feel like that you've been cast off. You feel like that, that you, you don't have another purpose in the kingdom or in the church. But, oh, yes, you've got a voice. You've got a purpose. You've got, a, you've got an anointing that needs to be passed on. This generation needs to hear what you've got to say. They need to feel that anointing flow out of your heart, not of your life, out of your mouth. They don't need to receive 
receive bitterness. They don't need to receive anger. They don't need to receive scorn. But they need to receive the anointing that comes from a man or a woman of God that's been through some things and saw God come through time and time again. And God has proven himself faithful. Oh, in Psalm 71, this is what he began to do. This is how he said, I'm going to change the path that I'm on. This is what he said in verse 14. But I will hope continually. I will hope continually. I will hope continually. No matter how negative things get, I'm going to hope continually. And here it is, church, and I know you understand this. I know you do. But I'm going to just tell you what the word says. I'm going to hope continually, and I will yet praise thee but that's not where he stops he says i'm gonna praise thee more and more Come on, you can't miss that point. I'm going to praise you more today. I'm going to praise you more right now than I did yesterday. I may not be able to do it physically like I used to be able to do, but I'm going to praise you more and more. I'm going to praise you. Why? Because you have greater value now than you did when I first met you. Now, you haven't changed, but I've changed. He's the same God that saved you. He's in nothing's changed about him. But as you live for God, you find out how much he means to you, how sweeter he is, how greater he is, how much of more value he is to you in your life as the days and years go by. Oh. He has greater value to me today than yesterday. This statement may land me in trouble, but it's not the first time. (laughs) Only those who are not growing look back on yesterday with fondness of how great it was. I'm not saying yesterday was bad. I'm not saying yesterday wasn't good. I'm not saying anything negative about yesterday. Yesterday, God was good. Yesterday, God did mighty things. Yesterday, he poured out his spirit. I believe he's pouring out his spirit today. But as we live for God, that God you met for the first time, you've got to continue to grow. And as you continue to grow, the value of God grows. In other words, you understand now more than even when you first believed, I'm not letting him go. I'm not letting him lose for anything else in this world because the world wants me to exchange him for something that's far less value and I have found that there's nothing of more value than my Jesus there's nothing of more value than him as I live for him and I give, I'm giving it tomorrow if it comes I'm going to say Lord you mean more to me today than you did yesterday you mean more to me now than you did when I first believed oh clap your hands church praise the Lord bless his name does he mean more to you now than he did yesterday I don't want to be negative but if you're not growing in God you just keep looking back to when you were excited about him but you should be excited about him today 
My mouth shall show forth thy righteousness and thy salvation all the day, for I know not the numbers thereof. I understand now the older I get, there's a number. <laughs> Those numbers. Every birthday is a good birthday. There's more candles on that cake. Psalmist said, I understand something now in this old age. I understand I've got to use my mouth. And my mouth has to show forth thy righteousness and thy, and thy salvation. When did he say? He said, all the day. My mouth, Arthur, my mouth needs to show forth his salvation and, and his strength all the day. I don't know how long I've got. But while I have an opportunity, my mouth, I can't do anything about anybody else's mouth. I can't do it. You ever wish you could close somebody else's mouth? I do that to my children sometimes. <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> but my mouth will be used to tell of his righteousness and his salvation. I will go in the strength of the Lord. I will make mention of thy righteousness, even thine only. He said, I'm going to go in his strength. It's never been about my strength. <laughs> I'm going to go in his strength. When you get to verse 18, the psalmist says, Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power unto everyone that is to come. It's something that those who are seasoned can give. It's something of those of us that have been through some things you can give. Don't close yourself off. Don't isolate yourself. Don't minimize your importance or your value. You've got great value to give to this generation. You see that played out in 2 Samuel. And David is fleeing Jerusalem because his son Absalom, he's become favored in Israel. He's rising in power and influence. He's desiring that throne of his father, David. He's got the political capital. He's got the power. He's got the youth. He's got the movement. And when he reached that point of strength, the political strength, he goes to Hebron, the old capital of Judah, along with a great body of people, and there he proclaimed himself king. That revolt was so successful that David found it necessary now to flee Jerusalem. David's gone from Jerusalem. He's not the young man he used to be. He's fleeing out of Jerusalem. Absalom returns to Jerusalem and, and takes possession of the throne without any opposition. David now finds himself on the run from his own son. Overwhelmed with grief and sorrow, he's leaving precious Jerusalem. And during that time, it is said that perhaps this is when he wrote Psalm 61, when he made this profound statement when he said, From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher 
than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me. I'm leaving Jerusalem, but you have always been my shelter. You've always been my strong tower from the enemy. Here's David leaving Jerusalem. Israel's anointed king now is going over the Jordan. He's heading in the wrong direction, if you will. Israel was always trying to cross that Jordan, but in the opposite direction. Here is David crossing over that Jordan. Joshua had once led the people across that Jordan, but it was toward Jerusalem. The Lord parted the waters. God had given Israel victory after victory, but now David is passing over the Jordan out of Jerusalem. 2 Samuel 17 and 27, and it came to pass that when David was, was, was come to Mahanaim, that Shobi, Makir, and Barzillai, they met him. And the Bible says that they brought beads, basins, earthen vessels, wheat, barley, flour, parched corn, beans, lentils, parched pulse, honey, and butter, and sheep. They brought everything they can bring. When David was fleeing Jerusalem, these men brought something to bless the king and those with him. And this is what the Bible said in verse 29. He said, for they said, the people is hungry, weary, and thirsty in the wilderness. But Brother Knowles, they came with something to give. Oh, they're weary. They're thirsty. They're hurting. They're tired. They're uncertain about what tomorrow's going to bring. Does this describe the generation that we're in right here, right now, what we're dealing with? But, but oh, these men brought something with them to give to the king and to the people to bless him. The Bible says that they said they were hungry, they were weary, they were thirsty, and this is what drew these men to bless David and the people with him. Here's David on the run, and these men come to bless Contrast that with a man by the name of Nabal. When David's men were hungry and they come just asking for any blessing that he would be willing to give, anything that he would be willing to bless David and his, and his men with. Oh, oh, yeah. He didn't want anything to do with blessing, he didn't want anything to do with giving. He didn't want anything to do with, with blessing this generation. Who is this David? There's, there, who, who, is this, who is this man? I don't know who he is, where he's from. I'm not giving him anything. And all my goods, it's all mine. Contrast Nabal with these men. Abigail, when she told him what she did in blessing David, you know what the Bible says? His heart died within him, and he became as a stone. He was so mad that she blessed him with his stuff that his heart seized within him. That's what bitterness will do. That's what covetousness will do. But if you Barzillai, you're saying, 
I don't even need you to ask me, David. I don't even need you to say you're hungry. I don't need you to beg for anything, David. I don't need you to ask for it. But Barzillai is 25 miles from where he met David. He's in Ragilam. He's 80 years old. 25 miles, and as far as I understand, there were no cars. No rail system. 25 miles. Barzillai, 80 years old. Perhaps he's gray-headed. Barzillai, he could have felt he had nothing to contribute. He's not young anymore. He's not, a, he's not a warrior, perhaps, that he used to be. We don't know what his life was in his early days. He can't certainly serve in the way that he used to serve when he was younger. He's 80 years old. He could have stayed back at home and sent somebody else. But you know what? Here's a man who was there for his king. Others were glad to see David fleeing Jerusalem. Others were glad and even cursed him on his way out. But here's a man who's not going to curse his king. Here's a man who's going to bless his king. Barzillai, I'm going to be loyal. I'm not going to betray. I'm going to be faithful. I'm not going to stop now. I'm going to lift up my king instead of kicking him when he's down. Oh, yeah, David's fleeing Jerusalem. But do you understand that David makes his journey back to Jerusalem? And when he comes back, he's got to pass over that Jordan again. And oh, yeah, here comes Barzillai again. Here's another 25 mile trip one way. Here's Barzillai. He comes down over Jordan with the king to conduct him over the Jordan. And the Bible says that Barzillai was a very aged man, even fourscore years old. And he had provided the king of sustenance while he lay at Mahanam. For he was, listen to what the Bible says of Barzillai, for he was a very great man. Go ahead and look in the scriptures for anybody else who was listed out as a very great man. 80 years old. I'm not staying home. But as long as I've got strength, when I leave my house, when I hear that the king is heading out of Jerusalem, I'm not leaving my house just to see the king pass by. But I'm leaving my house, and I'm telling everybody that's with me, go get the corn, go get the meal, go get everything that we can bless our king. And if he has any need, we're going to bring everything with us to encourage him in his journey. Do you realize that's a man who understood faithfulness? It's a man who knew he had something still to give. You've got something to give. You've got something to give. David appreciated his loyalty and his faithfulness. David wanted to honor Barzillai. Barzillai didn't want anything of his own self. 
He even told David, my eyes are failing. I can't hardly hear anymore. I can't even taste food. I don't, I don't, I, as much as I want to go with you to Jerusalem, I, I'm going to go ahead and pass on what you want from me. But this is a very great man. You don't have to do it for me, king. But I've got somebody, Chimam, and I want you to take him with you, and I want you to bring him in my place to Jerusalem. He took the hand of the next generation. The next generation. And he said, King, I want you to... Chimam, this is King David. This is the one I've served. This is the one I've been loyal to. This is the one who's been so good to me. This is the one who's been so faithful to me and my family, and I want you to walk with him. I'm closing here in just a moment. But in baseball, they didn't always use these relief pitchers. In baseball, in the early days, the pitcher who started the game, unless he got hurt, was the pitcher that finished the game. George Fair wrote about the old-fashioned pitcher. You must understand this is written in the early 20th century, so terminology, just bear with me here. But listen to this short poem he wrote about the old-fashioned pitcher. He said, how dear to my heart was the old-fashioned hurler who labored all day on the old village green. He did not resemble the up-to-date twirler who pitches four innings and ducks from the scene. The up-to-date twirler I'm not very strong for. He has a queer habit of pulling up lame. And that is the reason I hanker and long for the pitcher who started and finished the game. The old-fashioned pitcher, the ironed arm pitcher, the stout-hearted pitcher who finished the game. <laughs> you may not be able to, to wind it up like you used to, but you know what we're going to do? We're going to finish the game. Barzillai, guess what? I'm 80 years old. I don't have the throw that I used to have, but I'm going to go ahead and finish that game. I don't need to send in a relief pitcher to, for me to bless the king. I'm going to come out on my own, and I'm going to bless the king, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a man with me and let him see how I bless the king. Listen, church, you've got something to give to this generation. You can show them how to bless the king. You can show them how to be a blessing in the kingdom of God. You can show them how to press on and press through. Oh, would you stand right now all over this place? <laughs> oh, yeah. The king answered Barzillai and said, Shimon will go over with me, and I will do to him what shall be seem good unto thee, 
And whatsoever thou shalt require of me, that will I do for thee. Verse 39. And all the people went over Jordan. And when the king was come over. When I read this, it just does something to my heart. But when David gets over that Jordan, here's his 80-year-old Barzillai who has blessed the king on many occasions, who's been faithful in the journey. The Bible says that the king kissed Barzillai and blessed him and he returned unto his own place. Kissed by the king. Kissed and blessed by the king. Church, have you been kissed? Have you been blessed by the king? Do like Barzillai did. Link up that next generation with the king and let them know there's nothing better than being faithful to the king. Yes. Experience tells me, Psalm 71, that he's going to bring me up again. Thou shalt quicken me again. Thou shalt bring me up again. I believe he's going to do it again. If you have a need this morning, would you just lift your hands unto the Lord right now in this place? You've got something special. You've got something to give. But I believe the Lord wants to reach down right now and touch your life, encourage you, and strengthen you. I believe with all my heart that the Lord will bless you right now. He's been faithful to you. You may have gone through some difficult times lately. Let the Lord bless you right now. That's it. Lift your voice all over this place. Lift your voice right now. He hasn't failed you. He hasn't cast you off. He hasn't left you defenseless. He knows your heartache. We hope you enjoyed this message. Please reach out to us if you have any questions. We can be found at firstpent.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-E-N-T dot org. If you're ever in Pensacola, Florida, we hope you visit us. Be blessed in Jesus' name.